Everyone has an opinion when it comes to having a baby and raising kids. Just get the epidural. There's no prize for doing it natural. In my day, we just let the baby cry until they settle themselves down. Have you tried sage oil? And so many more comments, most of them unsolicited. Welcome to the Birth and Parenting Things podcast. My name is Kim, and I've got opinions too. I'm kind of an expert on birth. I've also managed to raise three babies into young adults. I'm here to offer evidence-based information, stories, personal experiences on birth, parenting, and everything in between. So let's do this. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. So, yes, this podcast is a day late um, and several hours late on that second day as well. I I have so much going on right now. So, <clears throat> one of the things about being a doula and a childbirth educator in a pandemic is you're kind of stuck. Like there's no, in Toronto, there's nowhere that we can hold classes. So I normally teach at St. Mike's Hospital and in one of their boardrooms and spoke to our bosses or my boss the other day. And that's probably, we usually, this is about the time of year that we usually start creating the schedule for next year, 2022. But it's looking like it's going to be virtual as well. Not sure when we'll actually get back to, especially in a hospital setting, when we're actually going to get back into doing, you know, in-person teaching. But then the other side of the coin is we're not sure when we'll be able to get back into doing in-person support. <clears throat> so we've been doing virtual support. Um, well, let me back up because we were actually, me and my business partner, were doing virtual support actually quite a while ago, uh, even before the pandemic, we actually had a conversation about it in 2018 and then started putting stuff together. And then in 2019 actually launched our virtual digital doula, uh, packages and actually did about three of them before the pandemic hit. And I really like it. I, I quite enjoy it. And one of the reasons is, is that as I get older, um, and I have some uh, physical limitations that don't allow me to necessarily be at my best when I am at a birth, and especially if it's someone who is choosing to do unmedicated, it's hard for me. It's it's actually quite hard for me. I I had uh, there's these you know you look at these things and there's these crazy side effects for things uh, for medications and you hear about them on the TV all the time. Oh, you could have XYZ, blah, blah, blah. And you think, my God, that sounds even worse than the thing it's trying to cure. But there's a, there's a antibiotic out there, a pretty powerful one that I had been on because of kidney stones that I have and I get them pretty frequently. But this particular time they had, uh, it had gotten quite large and I had to um, I had to be on, uh, it, I ended up getting sepsis. So long story short, I ended up getting sepsis from it and ended up in the hospital for a week and was put on a antibiotic called Cipro. That's not the whole name. That's what, that's just what they call it. And one of the side effects is, um, tearing and whatnot in your ligaments. 
And I ended up getting that. It's a very rare complication, <laughs> but I ended up getting it. So um, that's not good. So standing for long periods of time in my hamstring is really painful. In fact, I'm sitting here, I mowed the lawn yesterday um, and I'm sitting here today like 10.30 in the morning and I have to finish it. I couldn't finish mowing the lawn because not because I ran out, but the battery ran out trying to be um, eco-friendly and not using gas and whatnot. Um, The batteries don't last forever, especially when your lawn is like knee deep. Anyway, so I'm sitting here today right now actually in quite a bunch of discomfort. Um, So that's not fun. But uh, Tylenol to the rescue and a Tim Hortons donut to the rescue as well. So there you go. But as a result, the, whatever I was talking about, um, the digital doula stuff we were doing before, um, made a lot of sense now, especially during the pandemic. So I haven't done a ton of births this way, though, to be quite honest, I really, really enjoy it because I actually find that where I am most useful for my clients, especially my clients that are getting epidurals, that is, I I mean, I know there's a lot of doulas out there that are maybe, well, not a lot, but there's doulas out there that are kind of, you know, anti-epidural, it has to be all natural, blah, blah, blah. I don't even like that term natural, to be completely honest. We've evolved to a point where, you know, we have epidurals, and I've talked about this on the podcast, we have epidurals as a tool. So especially for me, um, because the majority of my clients actually do get epidurals, um, or are already planning to get one as their as as their birth date approaches. So as a result, I've found over time that my main, you know, part of my job has been to, you know, support them, not physically, to support them during early labor to, you know, offer suggestions, um, you know, kind of make that period of early labor where you just want to jump in the car and go to the hospital, make that a little bit more, you know, hey, no, this is completely normal. This is what's happening. You know, I'm really, I think you're doing a really great job. Um, Keep breathing, (laughs) Um, offering suggestions for position changes and comfort and whatnot to allow you to stay home a little bit longer so that when you do get to the hospital, you can you know you're at a good point where you could get the epidural or you're at a good point where your labor is progressively moving forward and the likelihood of you know being in the hospital slowing things down and needing other interventions becomes less likely and of course support afterwards with um, feeding questions things like that so I do a lot of question and answer you know this is what's happening with baby what do you suggest this is how things are going um, you know, things like that. And with, you know, a partner with you who's already with you and some interesting camera angles on the phone to be able to, you know, you know, nope, we got to get that, we got to get that breast in a little bit deeper. Um, you know, can you see that swallow? Yep. There's another one. There's another one. These have all been, I think, where I shine because I do have, I kind of have, I think I have when I'm talking to my clients, uh, may not show up on video or on podcast, but I think I have the ability to, you know, kind of use really good descriptive language to get to them the idea of, of what needs to happen. And of course, in the prenatals and whatnot, 
helping the actually, you know, doing a mini doula training for their partner to help them help their partner. So, um, as I say, there's been a lot going on this week because I just started a, a new course called, uh, actually, I don't know what it's called to be quite honest, but it's given by someone who is uh, a digital doula in the United States and they are <clears throat> basically teaching doulas how to go digital and childbirth educators on how to go digital. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting and trying to get that going, get some more information, get you know, get better at doing this particular side of things um, and getting my name out there so that uh, people can hire me. Um, because I, even after the pandemic ends and we do get back into hospitals and things like that, I think I'm at a point in my life and my age where I still have a great deal to offer families, but it would have to be virtual at this point. And I think it's possible to do that. So I have that mindset. Also, um, so I also have, uh, a couple new, or at least a new private class. So that's been taking up some of my time. I had to create this class kind of from scratch and it kind of leads into what I was going to talk about. So we'll get back to that in a second. And I've also been dealing with obviously my mother and my uncle and whatnot, but my son has also, my oldest son who works, uh, is, he's a cook in a restaurant uh, got some pretty serious burns on Friday so been kind of my brain's been kind of focused on that and other things and not unfortunately this podcast so to my 10 listeners I do apologize for this being late um, when you're a mom you you kind of got to do the important stuff first and that's always been my rule is family first family has to come first and then everything else so um <clears throat> yeah and I clearly am a little bit plugged up and whatnot as well damn spring allergies <laughs> and of course the weather's getting better too so that's been helpful in being able to get outside a little bit and you know maybe reclaim my backyard from the weeds so here we are so for the uh oh and for Weight Watchers yeah not <laughs> I haven't really gained uh maybe a half a pound here or there but I certainly haven't gone back to where I was before and I'll get back to that soon but right now my focus has to be as I mentioned before my focus has to be on my family and and what I can control in that particular respect and controlling my food that's gonna have to take a bit of a back seat and I'm okay with that because I my blood pressure is under control. My mood is actually pretty good. Um, changing my diet doesn't change the physical on me. I've tried that. It did not change how I feel physically in my hamstring and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, I think it's disrupting my sleep a little bit, but isn't that what melatonin and, you know, pure Z's is all about? Anyway, so I basically slept like crap last night. But that's okay. Uh, that's what caffeine is for too, right? As I take a swig of my Tim Hortons. Anyway, so what I wanted to talk about in this particular section on birth and birthing and whatnot is actually talking about hypnobirthing. So hypnobirthing, uh, and it's based on a book uh, by Marie Mongan. So hypnobirthing by Marie Mongan, M-O-N-G-A-N. 
she created a, um, she, so back in the fifties, I think it was, you know, during her birthing times at that time, especially in the United States, you were put under general anesthetic and your partner was not with you and you didn't get to see the baby until many hours or a day or so after the birth. And that didn't work for her. She didn't want to have anything to do with that. So, and I think at the time she was a nurse as well. So she had a little bit more pull um, and care. uh, Her care providers would listen to her a little bit more, I think. So she, uh, I think she ended up with her first baby um, actually going the, the route that it was, you know, being put under general anesthetic, um, baby delivered via forceps, not really being able to see baby, uh, things like that. And then with her second, she wanted something different and she put up a fuss about it. And I think she has four children all, all told. And the second was a little bit better. She, her partner wasn't able to be with her. Um, but I think she did this without the general anesthetic. God, it's been so long since I've read this book. Um, and then with her third, she basically told her doctor, like, look, my husband has to be there. I'm not going to be put under general anesthetic. Things are going to be different. And her doctor was basically like, well, then I'm not going to be there. And she said, okay, then you're not going to be there. And I think she went and found another doctor. But anyways, She stood up for herself um, and she ended up getting the birth that she wanted. And through all of this, she was creating and learning and becoming a hypnotherapist and creating this program for birth called hypnobirthing. Basically, the idea around it is that uh, based on the studies of Dr. Grantley Dick Reed, who came up with the fear tension pain cycle, where you experience pain, it causes tension in your body which causes you more pain, which leads to more fear and more tension, more pain, and that go round, go round, go round. So at that point then, um, she had created this program called hypnobirthing. And I became a hypnobirthing practitioner, God, so many years ago. It's got to have been maybe 10 years now. Uh, maybe. Yeah, actually, maybe it is about 10 years. Sitting here thinking, how long have I been doing this? It'll be 15 years this summer. Uh, next month, actually. Oh, I should have a party. So be cake <laughs> for sure. And I took the hip. So I actually took the hypnobirthing um, for doulas to learn to become a doula for somebody who was taking hypnobirthing. So a friend of mine, an old partner, an old business partner I had. Um, we backed each other up and whatnot. So she had a, uh, sadly, she's not a doula anymore. She was really good. And she took, did hypnobirthing, had a beautiful home birth. It was wonderful. Um, and that was all good. So I, and I was very intrigued by it. So I had read the book and I took the course on how to doula for people taking hypnobirthing. Then I decided, well, I'd already taken my childbirth educator training. So I thought, well, let's do this. Let's, let's teach hypnobirthing. So, um, I became a hypnobirthing practitioner and it was really good. And I really enjoyed it. I did have a few issues with it though. And this is, 
these are sort of some of the reasons why I'm not a hypnobirthing practitioner per se now, why I don't hold the classes anymore and why I'm not certified by them anymore. So one of the things was, first off, they were very expensive, um, which I get because the course to become a practitioner was very expensive, but I found the classes themselves a little expensive. Like they were like $350 to take this six-week course, whereas I have a six-week course in childbirth education um, being taught at the hospital for $75 where I pull in some of this hypnobirthing stuff anyways, like breathing and whatnot. So um, my dog's just going to walk across the floor and you'll hear the clickety-clackety of his feet. Um, the other thing was... As a standalone hypno or as a standalone childbirth education class, it wasn't very good because while it did teach you some really great, amazing, t useful tools, it didn't necessarily prepare you for birthing in a hospital. So all it basically told you was, you know, avoid every intervention, you know, don't do this, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. And I... Uh, I don't work that way. <laughs> I don't work that way as a doula and I don't work that way as, as an educator. I feel like my role as an educator is to kind of lay everything before you. Really, Jack? Is to lay everything before you and you get to decide how you want your birth to go. You get to decide what your birth is going to be like. And Sometimes there are situations where we have to choose interventions, where we have to uh, choose to get an epidural, where, you know, we look at the benefit risk analysis of things and we make the best decision for ourselves based on what's happening at the time. And if I tell you, you know, don't do this, don't do that, that's detrimental, blah, 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 and you end up having to choose it, then that makes you feel, you know, pretty terrible about your birth. And it shouldn't. That was just the situation that you were placed in, and that's okay. I want people to feel in their births like they were a part of the journey, not that they did something wrong, because that's not fair to you. Now, so as a result, it never taught about interventions. The classes never taught about, you know, physiological birth within a hospital. Um, it just basically told you to avoid everything. And yeah, that's, as I say, that's not, that's not the best way to go. So I always felt like if you wanted to take hypnobirthing, awesome, but you also, for my clients, you also had to take a childbirth education class as well. That's going to talk about physiological birth and is going to prepare you for a cesarean birth if possible. If, if it happens, it's going to prepare you for, um, a vacuum extraction. It's going to prepare you for needing Pitocin. It's going to prepare you for getting an epidural. And that's not what this particular class did. Now, I know that over the years, I had sort of altered and added in a few things where it was necessary, but that was that was kind of against the rules. I don't know if hypnobirthing practitioners are doing this now, and hopefully they are, um, but there were some pretty rigid things with hypnobirthing um, as far as being a practitioner was, and... I didn't necessarily like that because again, having worked in hospitals and it was a great option for, you know, if you're having a home birth, but not everybody has a home birth and not everybody has a midwife. So we got to prepare you for what to expect. So the other thing that uh, kind of stopped me from being a 
continuing on as a hypnobirthing practitioner is you had to certify every single year. As a doula, I actually have to certify every three years. But it meant, and part of the certification course was, you know, reading 10 books and which is fine. I can read 10 books in a year, I suppose. But it got to the point where I, there aren't enough birthing books <laughs> to actually sustain this. You know, there aren't, you know, a hundred birthing books out there worth reading. So what the hell? And it kind of felt to me like a bit of a money grab, which some of these certifications and whatnot actually tend to be. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I kind of made the executive decision to not do this anymore, which meant that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't order the books for clients. I couldn't, you know, get the CDs. Yes, this was back when CDs were, were happening. So I wasn't able to sort of still practice without being certified per se. And then last week or no, a couple of weeks ago after a prenatal class and I had mentioned that I had been a hypnobirthing practitioner, somebody had asked about, you know, could I teach it? And I thought, well, maybe we can look at this in a different way and not do the entire hypnobirthing class because she didn't have enough time. It's a six week course and she didn't have enough time to actually before her due date to actually complete it all. And plus, because I had talked so much about what was happening uh, in birth in the childbirth ed class and pulled in some of the breathing techniques and things like that and talked about the mind-body connection and, and all of these things. So I thought maybe we can pare it down. So I spent last, last week, part of most of last week and part of the week before, uh, looking at the hypnobirthing stuff and paring it down into sort of a three, two hour class, uh, workshop to do. And we started that this week and the first class went well. My timing is off for sure. Um, and the, one of the, one of the thing was to make sure that, uh, you had to read the book. So she had to get the book on her own and read it. And, uh, and it's a very quick read, which is a good thing. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I kind of went through the hypnobirthing stuff and kind of pulled together based on hypnobirthing, uh, some relaxation and, you know, self-guided relaxation, uh, stuff to do for them. So I've been working on that and that's been, that's been really helpful. And it's been good to have sort of private, this, these private sort of one-on-ones as well. Um, though I suppose I could do it as a group, but it's a little difficult to do that, uh, over zoom because the, the connections can sometimes not be great and things like that. So you're in a, <laughs> you're in a, uh, you're in a, uh, relaxation, you know, session and all of a sudden you're like, and they can't hear your voice and it sounds weird. And that's certainly going to pull you out of it, but we do our best. And as I say, I think it's, uh, I think it's good. So I, I put it actually on my website, uh, self-guided relaxation for labor and birth. And yeah, you can check it out if you want. So as I say, I think if you, if you don't go the full hypnobirthing route, I think if there's books that you want to read um, for birth, this one isn't a bad one. I don't, uh, I don't uh, 
I don't hate everything it says. I There's a couple of things that I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe it needs to be updated or whatever. But there's definitely some really good stuff in there. And it really talks about birth in a very plain, matter-of-fact way, which I kind of like as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's sort of her experience and sort of talking about, you know, how to keep yourself relaxed during birth, which is not a bad thing. So check that out. Uh, again, it's Hypnobirthing by Marie Mongan. And, uh, yeah, anyways, so as I say, if you, anybody's out there wants to get a private session, uh, the classes are there and yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing this week, which has sort of prevented me from recording this podcast. However, this morning I'm supposed to record my other podcast with, uh, the pragmatic doulas, but something came up and one of them couldn't be there. So we were going to do it tomorrow. So I thought this is the perfect time. I have a window of opportunity. So I thought I'd throw this in there as well. And yeah, so keep an eye out for on the website for uh, new classes and things that are happening. And also, you know, again, follow me on Instagram and whatnot for launching new stuff. I'm putting together, um, I'm putting together a workshop or a course for uh, inductions. So I've put that, I'm putting that together and I just need to record it. I just need to find, you know, 45 minutes in my day where there isn't talking and dogs walking and people and <laughs> which is not always possible. So I think the pandemic's really starting to get to me. Anyway, so that's where we stand on that. Um, I'm going to come back in a, in a few seconds to talk about your postpartum registry or your baby registry, what you really need in the postpartum. And let me be honest with you, it's not a docatot. <laughs> it's not a brand new stroller. Those are great things, but I'm going to try and give you some more things to put on your baby registry that might be a little more helpful to you than what uh, what is on standard registries. All right, be back in a second. And we're back, or rather I'm back. Um, just popped over to the table and got myself a Boston cream donut from Tim Hortons that I got for the kids. Um, but yeah, so there we go. So... I remember when we had, when we were pregnant, we went to, do we go to Sears, I think? Yeah, I think it was Sears, which again, at this point doesn't exist in Canada anymore. They all closed. But in fact, that's where <laughs> the old Sears outlet at the mall was where my mom got her her COVID vaccination shot um, because it was a big, huge open space uh, at a central location in the mall um, and worked out really, really well. So unfortunately, Sears is no more. But when we were pregnant 21, 22 years ago, um, we went to Sears and we filled out the baby registry because Babies Are Us wasn't a thing at that point, I don't think. Um it might have been for my second and third, but we didn't do baby registries for them. We already had everything. And we went through and we scanned what we needed to scan. We checked off what we wanted and we wrote down everything that we needed. And from, you know, sleepers and strollers and like actually, oh, actually, I guess we didn't do a stroller because I actually had worked at a, um, 
what do you call it? Like a baby store, um, in my, in my neighborhood. And, uh, so I worked in a baby store. So I already, and I sold strollers and cribs and all of that stuff. So I already knew what I wanted. And so my mom had, we had gone into that store. I, I, I quit a long time ago, but we had gone in and, and bought sort of the creme de la creme at the time stroller that I wanted because I, I knew all the features of everything. And this was the one I wanted. And I think, did I sell it? I'm pretty sure I sold it, but man, that thing lasted through three kids. So anyways, um, we, we put down everything we thought we needed. You know, the one, the couple of things we didn't put down was crib cause we were going to buy that ourselves. Um, we also didn't put down a breast pump or anything cause I didn't think I needed it. I thought I was just going to feed baby at my chest and that was going to be the end of that. So, um, in hindsight though, now that I've been doing this and, and I didn't really have too much of a struggle, I'll be honest. I didn't have too much of a struggle, um, when I had my babies because I mean, my partner was really good and very, very helpful. And he was working from home at that point too, and was able to sort of work around, you know, our doctor's appointments and things like that. Cause my son needed to be at sick kids, uh, periodically, uh, based on, because of his birth one day, I swear, I'll tell you that story. Um, but yeah, I don't remember really struggling, but in hindsight, now that I've been working with families for a long period of time for 15 years now, um, I realize there are some really big things that are lacking on people's babies registries. So this is, this is my, if you want to put down all the fun gadgets and things like that, 100%, who does not like getting stuff? So definitely keep all that on your registry, but also consider too, that there's a couple of other things or what have I got here? Six, seven other things that I think are extremely important too especially in this day and age where we've got people working away from home. We don't have family that can come and be with us, things like that. But maybe there are some things that people can do or get for us or do for us that can be very helpful. The first thing is going to be meal delivery. So either a meal delivery or starting up a meal train where with a meal train, basically it's, you know, people are going to come and put, they're going to go through a schedule and they're going to be like, Okay, on Tuesday, you person are going to uh, bring food for them. You person on this day are going to bring, you know, on Tuesday, you are on Wednesday, you're on Friday, blah, blah, blah. And God, how great would that be? Honest to God, when you're a new parent, finding time, energy, and whatnot to actually make food and put it in your mouth is exhausting. In fact, right now with three children, putting food together is exhausting. If I didn't have HelloFresh, and this is not an ad because they're not paying me for it. Um, if I did not get HelloFresh, honest to God, we would be eating out three times a week because there's just days where I cannot fathom. So last night I actually had, after mowing the lawn and being in front of the computer for most of the afternoon, um, I had got a really bad migraine. I don't get them very often, but when I do, my brain feels like it's going to explode. I, my eyes, this hasn't happened actually in years, but my vision actually got blurry as well. So, and my daughter put it together. Like we had a hello fresh meal kit in the fridge and she just put that together and it was great. She did a really good job. So I, if we didn't have that, 
then or somebody cooking for us, we would have eaten out. It would have been another pizza night. Since we've been a little bit better at sort of organizing food and things like that and and meal planning, um, it's been very beneficial and very helpful. And we only eat out, we eat out definitely once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on sort of how things go. But yeah, so meal delivery or a meal train or something. In fact, I had... um, I had a client once who one of the I was working with them for postpartum and there was a knock at the door and when I when I answered it it was and I cannot remember the name of the company this was so so many years ago when I opened the door it was somebody delivering frozen meals casseroles things like that and it was just like box after box after box of food coming in and they had a freezer downstairs that was already stocked from what they had done um, to put this new food in but it had come from I think his work uh, the the partner's work had put this together and it was a it was a company that you know, delivered meals for you. I mean, I suppose a little bit like Wheeltrans or Home to Heart or something like that, but not for seniors. So that was a great, that's a great option. Um, And allows you to, you know, again, not have to worry about any of that stuff, not have to worry about bringing the food in and then actually preparing it. These were foods that you just sort of popped into an oven, heated or popped into a crock pot, heated, things like that. And it was very simple to do. And when you have a brand new human in your life, you need that. All right. What about a laundry service? Doing laundry. So yeah, there's diaper services and things like that. But if you're not using cloth diapers, then you don't need something like that. But what about somebody doing your laundry? I had a client long, long time ago. Um, They never did their own laundry. They actually had a service that would come and pick up their laundry clean it, fluff and fold, <laughs> and then bring it back. That was that was an actual service. And my mind was blown because, you know, I'm, I'm a mom at home with three kids trying to start a business up, trying to, trying to manage my business, a partner who was working full time. Thankfully, he actually did the laundry. But if I had to do the laundry, that would have been completely overwhelming. But this family just had somebody come and pick up their laundry and actually do it for them and then bring it back. It, it was like one or two days turnaround. Like crazy. What? Mind-blowing. Now, I don't know if things like this exist in uh, quarantine and lockdown and pandemic, but even if a family member or whatever can come and grab your laundry baskets full wash it at their home, come back and, and fold it for you and everything. Even if it's just the baby laundry, cause God, that stuff adds up. There's a great sort of service that they can do for you. They can throw it in with their own laundry. You can even give them the laundry detergent. If you have a specific, um, detergent and whatnot that, that you want to use. What a great thing for somebody to do for somebody. Um, hiring a postpartum doula for them obviously talking to them first. It's very, uh, it's a little uncomfortable if you hire a human for them, for them to sort of go into their home, but talk to them about it. Offer them, you know, money towards having a postpartum doula. Most, most doula companies will have gift certificates and things like that, where you can, uh, pay for one and then they can pick the doula out. 
What about lactation support? Having a lactation consultant come to their home or do a virtual visit with them is a great option. And lactation consultants are not cheap, incredibly beneficial, but they're not necessarily, you know, cheap. So having the funds available to do that is very helpful. And also, you know, check your, check your, um, what do you call it? Check your benefits and see if they cover lactation consultants. Give them a call. It's never usually written in the paperwork, but give them a call. So having some money towards that, especially if you don't have coverage for lactation consultants can be very beneficial as well, especially in those first couple of days when you're home with a baby and you just don't know what's going on and feeding at the hospital was a nightmare and now you're home and it's not working either. What about babysitting? Have, you know, if there's somebody, especially as we get closer to the end of, you know, the rollout of vaccines and things like that, even after a couple of weeks of you not being in hospital anymore, having somebody come over and watch baby while you have a rest, while you have a nap, while you go for a walk, um, something like that. So these are options, even, you know, putting that away for when maybe baby's a little bit older and you want to go out and have a date night. Um, and finally, the last sort of gidget gadget kind of thing that I like is a baby wrap. So that would be a baby wearing wrap. So a wrap that you can wear your baby on your chest. I know they're God awful complicated, but I have, and I have a massive bias towards them, but I think they're incredibly beneficial. I think they're incredibly great. And I think they can make your life a hell of a lot easier if you can just have baby strapped to your chest and go about your day. And that allows baby to be close to you um, so that people are not within six feet of you, which would have, you know, a lot of added benefit and protection for baby when you go out into the world. All right. So those are just some things to add on to your baby registry that is not a thing or a gadget or whatever. These things can make your life, especially at home with a brand new baby, incredibly beneficial because let's be honest, we don't need any more sleepers. We don't need any more diaper shirts. And yes, that blanket and stuffed teddy bear are so cute, but they're not going to cook your dinner for you. All right. So I hope everybody enjoyed this. Um, I, yeah, I think I'll come back uh, with a final thought on what I've also been doing this week. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a minute. And finally, for our last section of this podcast, where I talk about random stuff, um, I, the other thing that I've been doing this week, uh, and part of last week, yeah, it must've been part of last week. Cause I mentioned it in my class on Saturday. I'm in a bit of a Instagram beef <laughs> with somebody or rather I was, they think they blocked me, but <laughs> yeah, I have more than one Instagram account. <laughs> Anyways, um, I follow the hashtag birth and I found a I found someone who is constantly talking about birth in absolutes that you never need this. You never need that. You never, birth is natural and you all, you can do it without any medical help whatsoever. And I'm not denying the fact that there are certainly times where, you know, the medical 
professionals really need to step back and just let birth unfold as it is supposed to. But you can't you can't use the term never when it comes to um, birth because birth isn't like that. Birth is not a linear event where you get pregnant, baby comes out, and that's the end of it. It's a zigzagging journey through roads and twists and turns that happen. And sometimes you need help. And sometimes these medical interventions are necessary. And telling everybody that, you know, your birth in a hospital was not natural is bullshit. Um, I gave birth in a hospital without pain medication. Yes, I had Pitocin. And yes, I was induced, had my waters broken. But don't sit there and tell me that my birth was not natural. Don't tell me that what I experienced was not natural. In my mind, baby was in, baby came out, I gave birth. And I will, to me, that's one of the most natural things that uh, my body can actually do. Whether I needed assistance in, in making that happen, that's, that's not unnatural. Now, and I can say this because I've literally got 10 people who follow this or listen to this, so it doesn't necessarily matter. But um, I, I kept going in and, you know, oh, and then, so I made a remark where, you know, I felt that that wasn't... Um, that you can't speak like that. You can't use these terms of absolute when it comes to birth because it's never absolute. The other thing then was that uh, she commented that uh, placentas did not need to have Pitocin to come out. And sometimes they can take hours to come out. Sometimes they can take many hours to come out. However, again, I'm saying, you know... That's not always the case. That is not always, the placenta doesn't always come out nicely on its own. I mentioned that I had a client who had a birth that was um, a home birth that was, the contractions were very strong. She was what we would be calling hypercontracting. And in that case, you know, what happened is, the contractions were so strong and so close together so fast that it literally shredded the placenta. So when baby was born, there was a lot of bleeding. We were at home. There was, the midwife was working to try and get the placenta delivered. It never ended up um, detaching completely. And she ended up going, being transferred to hospital. She passed out at one point. I was I'll be honest, I had seen so many births at that point, but I was afraid this was going to be the first time that I, I actually lost a mother in birth. I was terrified. And the, she ended up going to hospital and, and having the placenta removed. And apparently it just came out in bits, like it did not come out in one nice thing. And people were arguing with me about, you know, well, that's because, you know, she had, she had this and she had that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it was a home birth where the midwives were literally hands off, period. 
Like there was no other interventions involved. And yes, she did have a little bit of Pitocin at the end to try and get things, to try and get the placenta to be delivered because after an hour it still hadn't come. And then at that point then, um, after passing out, the paramedics being called and her like literally not really being conscious, um, having to be transported to hospital. So don't sit there and tell me that, you know, it will happen all on its own. Sometimes it doesn't. And this is why we have these medical devices and these medical assistants and whatnot to help prevent these catastrophes. So then at that point, then I had somebody, uh, I guess within her feed was like, oh, wow, I'm really sorry that happened. And, you know, was actually sort of leaning more towards, you know, yeah, maybe things aren't so absolute. At which point, I guess, because she never answered any of my of my responses to her um, when I asked a question or anything like that. She's basically just throwing this information out there and seeing where it lands and, and getting the likes and, you know, getting more and more people following her. Which is why I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want this person getting any more, um, you know, notoriety than they already have. When I first started this sort of argument and whatnot with them, they were at like 50, uh, actually they were under 5,000, maybe like 49, 4,800. Well, today they're at like, you know, 10,000. They're over 10,000 people in like a week and a half. And they've, and it's basically for saying horrible things. So at that point, after I started, you know, somebody saying, oh, wow, like, I'm sorry that happened to you, you know, your client, blah, blah, blah. I'm glad everybody is okay. That was the end of that because now other people were going, oh, maybe this isn't quite so absolute. So at which point all my posts were deleted within her post. Um, all my responses were deleted and I was blocked. Fine. You don't want to have an engaging conversation with somebody who has been in this work longer than you have, fine, no problem. But as I say, I have other Instagram accounts, <laughs> so I kind of stalked her. I know, childish petty, but again, it's a pandemic. What else am I doing? I need something to keep me going during the day. So I stalked, and of course, Mother's Day came. So last week was Mother's Day. And of course, invariably, these people come out with the, you know, mothers are being erased because we're using language like birthing parent, we're using language like um, womb, haver, birth giver, blah, blah, blah. I don't use any of those terms. I don't, that's a little too hippie granola for me, but I do, when I teach, I do use the term birth parent and I do use the term support person or partner. And that's because for the most part, I work in a, I work at a hospital where we have a variety of people coming through our classes that do not identify as a mother, that do not identify as a father, that maybe, you know, I was talking about this with my daughter just a little bit ago, um, you know, I have a couple sitting there and they aren't necessarily mother, father. Maybe she's the birthing parent, but maybe that person sitting next to her is actually her friend. Maybe that person sitting next to her is not her partner. Um, you know, is maybe not the father of this baby. Maybe that was somebody else and this is her new partner. And, you know, maybe I have a family sitting there, you know, 
that maybe isn't a lesbian couple. Maybe that's, you know, the birthing parent and her best friend, or maybe they are a a same sex couple. Like, I can't sit here and pretend that, you know, everybody sitting in my class is a mother and a father. And as a result, I'm going to use terms like birthing parent. I'm going to use terms like support person or partner because that way, that is not, and this is this is their whole thing, is that when that language is being used, mothers are being erased. Well, that isn't true. What we're doing is, is we're taking now a, a generalized term to include everybody in the room. It is an inclusive language that we're using so that everybody can feel included. If I sit here in a class where maybe there is a same-sex couple, or maybe there is, you know, a partner or a surrogate even, and the dad, um, or the, the person who's going, who is taking this baby. I can't sit there and say mother, father, because that's not necessarily the mother of this baby. Yes, she is the surrogate or they are the surrogate, but they're not necessarily going to be the mother of this child. So how am I not going to, how am I going to use a term that would negate their existence, that would, you know, make them feel unsafe? I won't do that. I 100% won't do that. And anybody who is doing that, if I find you and I see you on Instagram, I am reporting your ass. So this is what I've been doing for most of this week. It's Thursday today, so it's been a busy week. Um, she, this person had a post on Mother's Day about how mothers are being erased and blah, blah, blah. Nope. Oh, and then, it, and, and then of course it gets into, you know, this whole idea. So she's a complete COVID denier. She is an anti-masker. She is anti-vaccine, which fine, whatever, but please don't be a COVID denier. It's out there and people are dying from this. And then they started to get into, you know, transgender. There was a whole discussion on transgender. Well, and of course, that one thing that she posts, there's now like 95 people, you know, clapping and fire and hearts and all of this stuff. And I'm like, great. So all the crazies are now coming out and following this person. Report, 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 report. And I'm going to report. And then of course, then there's a post about, um, you know, how she's being called transphobic and she's being called, you know, um, anti whatever. I'm like, yeah, you are. And then of course, again, more fire hearts, blah, blah, blah. And she's still, she's doubling down on this transphobic, um, discussion. Well, report. So then, that video that she had posted, she then put into her stories. Well, screw you. I'm reporting that one too. I'm not, look, you can sit there and you can talk about birthing in a field and you can talk about free birth and you can talk about, you know, the medical establishment not being supportive of anybody and how, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, do bad things to you 100% because let's be honest, (laughs) The medical system in obstetrics is broken and needs to be fixed, particularly for um, people of color, um, Aboriginals, uh, Asian people, um, 
disabled people, um, differently abled people, um, you know, same sex couples, things like that. There's, there's a massive issue when birthing in a hospital, when you are, when you don't identify as a white cis heterosexual couple. So yeah, that needs to be fixed. And you want to talk about, you know, how broken that system is. And you want to talk about, you know, your farming and, and, and whatnot, go for it, go for it. You want to talk about all that stuff, go for it. But I'm telling you right now, if you sit here and you start spouting hate against transgender people, you start talking about hate against uh, same-sex couples or those in the LGBTQ plus community, I'm coming for you. If I see that, I'm reporting you because I'm not going to put up with that. I will not put up with talking about marginalized communities and then you dumping on them because you feel that you are being erased. You white, cis, heterosexual person feel like you're being erased because when we're talking about a group of people, we're not calling you mother. We're calling you a birthing parent. That's dumb and that's bullshit. So I should probably make this explicit now, but whatever. Um I get a little fired up when this stuff happens. So if you see anything on social media that is hate speech against a particular group of people, please report that stuff. Report it so it doesn't get seen. Report it so these people know that they are being watched, that they are that they can't and should not have the luxury of being able to spout their crap to the world on social media. Okay, there, there's your homework. If you find things like this, report it. If you find, you know, again, hate speech, misinformation, um, things that are going to fire people up, do something about it. You don't have to, look, you may not be the person that's going to stand in the street in front of parliament with signs and whatnot and, you know, raise hell um, for rights of people. That may not be who you are, but reporting a post where you see that there is um, hate and inciting hate against a group of people, you can do something as simple as reporting that post. And they take it fairly seriously. Um, at one point, the the first post that I reported, they said it wasn't um, hate speech, but I reported it again. I asked for a deeper dive into it because the picture itself on Instagram was not. It was just a picture, but it was the caption that needed to be examined. So that in itself then was, and that post will get automatically blocked for anybody to see and an investigation will be had. So do that. It's a small, tiny, insignificant thing that you can do to help protect the groups of people out there that have been marginalized for most of their lives. And if it's a small thing that I can do, I'm going to do it. All right. So there you go. Um, you can follow me on Instagram <laughs> if you want. At uh, Toronto Doula Group is where you can find me. And I have a post up there now about, you know, this this whole, this very whole thing. Um, yeah, so please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend. Um, and yeah, make a comment. You can email me at 
birth and parenty things at gmail.com. Um, yeah, come talk to me, get to know me, tell me, tell me what's going on in your life. Tell me topics you want to hear about. And, uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. So this turned out to be a lot longer than I attended it to, but there you go. I had a rant, so I wanted to rant. All right. Have a good one. Please wear a mask. Please wash your hands. Please social distance until we can get this thing under control. Cause I swear to God, I need a haircut so badly. My neck is so sore. I'm telling you, I get my second shot. I got the AstraZeneca. Yes. I'm on the lookout for blood clots as we speak. I got the AstraZeneca one a couple of weeks ago and I get my new, I got my second shot in July. So I'm very excited about that. And within two weeks of getting, after two weeks from that point, I am going to the chiropractor <laughs> to get an adjustment. I cannot handle this anymore. I haven't seen my chiropractor in like two years and I miss them so much. Anyways, you have a good one. Please get outside. Please enjoy the warm weather. And as I say, please rate, review, and subscribe and let me know how things are going. Bye.